You're listening to BAU, Business as Unusual, the podcast that is shifting the way we think, interact and transact. Morning, Joe. Good morning, Pat. <laughs> How are you? Yeah, I'm really, really well. So, um, yeah, we're talking a bit off air that just fighting through a little bit of a cold. But, I mean, I think everyone everyone kind of in the southern hemisphere is here, here yeah. at least. And, you know, for the listeners kind of up north, so to speak, it's, you know, I think it's kind of we're getting... The, the cold and flu season that they would have had um, last last winter. So that's yeah. kind of typically the way that it rolls around the world. And certainly, you know, we're kind of experiencing that now. Yeah, mm. you can definitely see that. I think everyone, Northern Hemisphere, at least from what I'm seeing from looking glasses uh, around and friends sharing summer delights, it's, it seems yeah. very jubilant. Like, it's very like, oh, thank God we are out of that. Yeah. And like, just really feeling into summer, which is so nice to see. But for sure. As for winter sure. dwellers here. Yeah. It's, feel no, like we're it's great. I mean, I, 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 love to see it. I love to see it. It's kind of, it's, it feels like, um, it feels like things are kind of back on that path. You know, it's kind of like when you start to get like the, the pics from kind of like mates and stuff and they're on vacation, you know, in kind of sunnier climbs or they're kind of like Ibiza is back this year. So you kind of Joey did to, send an email. I, did. Through. I sent, you, sent, you, sent you some mixes. What, was, what are those tablets? Yeah, <laughs> oh, the old Isacolds. Yeah, we went it, off yeah. air. It, yeah. Sing out if you want to hear Joey's regime stay fight through a cold. But we do have a record. <laughs> we do. We've got that. Captured. But he sent an email through Isacolds on a Tuesday with a beta mix. He was. I was ready. Life. I was loving life. So it's you know we all got to find our own levels of happiness. But it's you know I think the Isacolds are terrific for many many different reasons but <laughs> perhaps on tuesday i'd had one too many um mm-hmm. by 10 a.m i appreciate it <laughs> you know it's good <laughs> but it, it's like i mean I, I i think it's terrific and i think it's kind of like it's we we're getting back to i think something you know in terms of kind of people starting to get together and kind of you know do stuff again in terms of around kind of really just around socialization and i think yeah. when you start to see those things you kind of you realize that what it is to be I think human and what it is to kind of actually want to kind of participate in things. And and what I'm kind of taking from it, when you look at it inside is that it's this really kind of great way that, um, you know, it's, it is euphoric almost because people actually haven't had it, but in kind of, you know, you saw it, for example, if you watch sport, you know, kind of like, every single kind of um, football game in the in England for example over the last year has just been the crowd has just been really up for it yeah. and part of that is actually because it's a younger crowd so that kind of you know post the pandemic a lot of old season ticket holders actually didn't come back so so these kind of you know like i mean pat you're an arsenal fan so it's kind of like you know the library it kind of hybrid you know it's kind of turned (laughs) (laughs) he likes that one um it's kind of but it's actually changed because and it's changed because the demographic of the supporter who's actually in the stands has changed yeah and it's become younger and i think that's again that's kind of the the narrative changing on that like the coaches staff everyone's saying how important it is yeah like I think that realization that it isn't just the players. No. It is the fans that actually win games. It is the fans sure. that win championships. It is For the sure. fan base that actually carries a team, a club. Oh. And that's a cool shift. But I think I think so. And I think it's part of like where where we'll kind of go today, I think around kind of starting to create 
new value. So if you if you think about kind of that that process, that's that's the classic thing about you know there's been a shift broadly in the in the market and who's actually consuming it. So that kind of that demographic shift has been driven by something you wouldn't necessarily expect. So when you kind of look at what's changing is if you're the Premier League, for example, you would look at that and go right. This whole generation of fans we were worried about losing, mm. you know, in terms of kind of basically not consuming the game on television. The shift that they're now having to reconcile is they kind of want to be there for the experience of it and the social gathering of it but no one really unless they're kind of gathered together is watching the full game they're starting to watch kind of the clipped the clipped highlights or kind of like the 20 minute version of that but in those two things those are both kind of new points of value creation and then they have to start to think about what they want to do with that yeah that's so true the sort of segmentation of games and the way it's consumed is yeah such a good point on that I don't want to drag it into Australian rules, but no one's watching the game here. No, they're not. Like, which is no. funny, but I think over UK, especially football in general, has just had huge amounts of crowds. Like, it has. It's been phenomenal, the response and how much it means to people. Yeah. And then, yeah, that shift from really clubs going, oh, it's a team sheltering, which is scary sometimes watching absolute mayhem when a club does something incredible. Yeah, and, like the pitch invasion. Pitch invasion. Like <laughs> yeah. You wouldn't have thought that would happen no. in the middle of a pandemic and then post, but it's wild. But um, hmm. still that connection and realisation that, yeah, clubs carried by its supporters is cool. But then, yeah, that segmentation of game and where value is created and where it's perceived mm-hmm. and then how... And then I spent a lot of people sort of gather around their own interpretations of the fire, like the, the torch or the whatever, say it's the Emirates, say it is the yeah. library. Books are taken and read together. And those books now are sort of a YouTube channel of fan base and yep. everyone has their own take on it. And that's what I think is real value. If you can allow that to happen as a, as a, as a library source or a brand or a club yep. and then allow that to be sort of owned by people in a way that is when value is i suppose created and shared and allowed interpretation is when it gets really fun for sure for sure and i think you you know like the the principles of a lot of this around kind of where you actually find new value typically it's it's either in friction or in kind of recombination and so the first part of that is that so if you think about like just extending this conversation around it the one of the frictions used to be in kind of um fan support was basically the asymmetry of information mm-hmm. so that you would have <clears throat> classic kind of punditry that would tell you what to think You'd have newspaper Mm. that would tell you what to think, and they were all plugged into the club. Whereas now it's kind of much more, you've got this kind of broad collective of, you know, you've kind of got, you know, this emerging kind of like super fan, right? Who tends to be the person who kind of has this YouTube following, who kind of builds all this sort of stuff. And their narrative is different than what you'd probably hear in kind of mainstream press. But it's actually that in the friction that they used to have was that they couldn't create the reach. Whereas now, they can. And so that kind of that value creation that they're actually being able to build out of their support for the club rather than necessarily their, um, you know, a lot of them have never played the game. A lot of them have kind of, you know, they're not really plugged in to the club, but they're able to actually create value out of this thing in terms of kind of for themselves as well as those those around them. And that's, that's really friction reduction. Mm. And then the other part of it is then this recombination that is, that is starting to happen. So for example, if you're kind of looking from a broadcast perspective at things like sports and sports rights 
it's really now the value is actually in the clipping and kind of how you actually, you know, if you think through it, even from a sponsorship perspective, what are you better sponsoring? Are you better sponsoring the billboard that goes around the kind of the ground? Or are you better sponsoring the highlight packs that actually start to come out? Yeah. Or sponsoring um, those little people who are building a following from it. Like, exactly. That's, that's it. If you can get an actual read on the landscape yep, and where sure. that sits. Um, and I think a lot of brands are sort of starting to support those commentators, those those fan nuts who are... Oh. Shout out to Paddy's YouTube channel. In the <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, but yeah. it's true. I think the landscape's changing. People <laughs> are realising that. And yeah, the traditional advertising doesn't work unless you're the Super Bowl. Um, but yeah, you got AI thing. Everyone, sport yeah. is such an interesting way of yeah. understanding the way the market is mm-hmm. thinking about how value creation is built off the back of a mega industry like there's so much cash in world football for sure for yeah. a reason there's so many eyeballs yep and there's so much attention but even those clips you still see advertisement in it so there's an argument there that as long as they have enough of it it's going to make it into those clips yeah for sure and but uh, the the but thing the, the thing that happens to that though pattern and gets to get your take on it is that 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 kind of what I find really quite quite interesting in the world at the moment is how value is starting to get carved up in kind of new ways that are more um, consumption side. And and what I mean by that is kind of like if you look at sports rights, for example, it used to be much more that you were able to control the supply of, of that. And that's where kind of the um, the value sat. And of course, there was demand of it. But you, basically, there was one supplier, which was mm. like the rights holder. Yeah. And now what you start to see is um, these kind of these shifts in markets where arguably the most entertaining part of things like sports now is kind of it's actually around the game not necessarily in the game but yet the rights holder originally kind of created these narratives right they turned i would argue like i mean british football is a really great example of it but it's in all sports right it's in the nba it's here and we kind of take these their um their narratives yeah about about kind of and it's more soap opera-esque more kind of um sport utainment kind of um ideals but now what you see happening is this switch where it's kind of yes the rights holder has the the actual kind of visualization and stuff but then the the eyeballs are kind of going to these like you might want to watch the mini highlights but in your let's just say you still watch the same amount of sport broadly that's not true but let's just say you do for a second but most people's consumption of sports content i would argue is probably the same but they're watching these other areas that have kind of emerged that are they're more um they're about belonging and they're about kind of like your ability to participate and kind of your sense of being a fan not necessarily being a consumer of this of this kind of product that's sold to you and i think that's a really big shift around where value is being created and it's just one example i mean i think there'll be many as we kind of work through kind of creating value but that to me is a big one that's occurred is that this shift in markets from being really kind of singular kind of almost authoritarian to being these little ecosystems that exist around and it's then it's very difficult for these clubs to kind of then come back in because it's so inauthentic, right? So if you're kind of like, you have these super fan groups, but then it's like, oh, well, we are um, Arsenal FC and we want to participate in that. It's a bit disingenuous. It is, and I think that, but there's also a real opportunity for like a club to actually engage with that genuinely and like actually support some of these people in in an uneditorial way. 
But um, whether they can or not, whether those people actually want that, mm. whether they want to claim the club as their own. In terms of value creation in that segmentation, it's really interesting because we've just got audience that have just been scattered it was like a one approach it was just like bang it out everyone's consuming this narrative it's gonna skew this like section a to section b it's gonna make them feel like this like this but now it's got such a a wide array of how people feel interpret create and the value creation needs yes come from the people now creating it themselves feeling very much part of it but where it's actually landing is the big few. It's landing on Facebook, landing on Google. Yeah, it is. And they're the ones who are actually capturing that value, which is a strange place. So, the, yes, the sports rights, people who own the, they've sort of got a lot of value taken away in, yeah, a, they do. in a lot yeah. and a lot of people owning it themselves. But in a sad way, they're, they're owning it themselves, but still where that actual value money speaking is landing very much at the big whales. Mm. So, yep. whether that can be segmented a bit and it actually the... So these mini publishers, in a way, can actually get a bit more of the pie would be an interesting un- way to do For it, sure. which I think there is a push to try and better in- reimburse the creator or reimburse the value creator rather than the, the value catcher um, yeah, who've got the mitts a, on. And that's such, such a, I mean, it's such a great point because I think if you think about it, there's kind of the way that value was distributed was really kind of it's in sports or most kind of markets was that it's kind of the 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 rights holder and then it's kind of then through advertising they recover their spend but it's to a mass audience whereas but when you think about this kind of more creator economy which is what it is is that it's it's thematic and what the new value that they bring to all of that is that it's actually a different way of consuming exactly the same thing that I think more skews to belonging Mm. and a sense of personality and a sense of kind of like wanting to kind of be in on the the party or kind of being on the excitement that kind of goes goes with it but they're sharing their value with the platforms that they have to push it through Mm -hmm. so it's it is interesting you kind of have um you know like if you think about sports broadly most sports markets these days is that it's 50 50 between athlete and owner um that's certainly a huge issue here with the afl because it's not like that you know it's much more 80 um 85 15 or kind of maybe it's 60 40 but it's got it's you know at an extreme but it's still got a change in terms of where it may start to go but in most sports leagues it's now broadly 50 50 somewhere around that space in terms of the value that's shared between the athletes who participate in the sport and the owners who actually own the own the teams that kind of run through it so there's that platform is interesting but then when you think about kind of more of the creator side of that or the kind of the riff um, kind of economy that yeah. sits on this side is that that value schism is not 50-50 between the big platforms and the actual creator. It's much more like 80% goes to the platform, 20% goes to the creator, unless no, they can build their no, own media, sure. which is what you're talking about, like these little kind of like fan things. Like you're starting to see this, like um, there's these little like fanatics kind of um, nation radio, yeah. these things that are kind of building these little media properties that are basically direct to consumer yeah, about commentary. Patreon's another one, which is yeah. about commentary, but allowing the actual creator to take the full the full spend in. Yeah, which is a really interesting way, and like further cements that theme that you're building on there around belonging to something. And when you belong to something, you want to contribute to something, and contributing to something is helping support it and make it sustainable, so it can still exist. For sure. Which yeah, some of these 
platforms that exist to just literally reimburse the people for their time is really cool but even um yeah if we won't take it to web3 or like these ideas that exist around actually reimbursing people for where those yep. where it sits and where it's like the micro publishing kind of yeah economy. exactly yeah. and then also even the consumer like where their eyeballs sit and getting some understanding of that they play a role i think that's what's changing in the now that we're in the attention economy, everyone's realizing that every eyeball's valuable, but actually realizing that and saying thank you. I see a big shift even in celebrity culture and a lot of culture now is everyone taking the time to genuinely say like thank like thank the fans. Thank fans like this is big shift. Fans are freaking nuts. Like Yeah, it's <laughs> wild. They are wild. And it's like I'm a fan. I'm wild when I'm a fan. Like, Arsenal, yell at whatever I'm watching. Like, you know, you go through the emotions, but it's entertainment. But then it gives existence to these people to do what they love. So, there's this real to and fro. It's a a wild thing going on. But I think that thing is more acknowledged now. Yep. Because it is so segmented and it's like... And everyone has to have that connection. It's a strange thing. I wouldn't want to be a celebrity because... You have to really let a lot of people into your first <laughs> You life. do. And I've got a lot of dirty laundry. Yeah, that's true. It's <laughs> yeah. true. You do. We do. Some of it's just, just yeah. off, off <laughs> camera. Um, no, the, um, but the, the, what's really great about what you're kind of saying there is that it's like, if you have to create a, a type that we're talking about, what we're actually talking about is kind of these ecosystems of value, which yeah. is, is different in terms of that. And then in an ecosystem is that there, it, there's a sense that both parties have to participate in it to actually keep it, keep it alive. Exactly. But that's one form of kind of value creation is that how, and we'll get into others as we go through kind of these series of episodes, mm. but one kind of version of creating that is to think like an ecosystem. So if we're kind of creating value, this, you know, what we've kind of worked through is a, is a great example of that. But there's lots of these things where they're two-sided and, you know, some in a very simplistic sense, you can say it's a two-sided marketplace. So like eBay, for example, we match buyers with sellers around kind of things that are hard to figure out. But the reality of that is that that's not really an ecosystem because the true ecosystem would be about we're actually sharing knowledge back and forth around the use and applications these specific things as well which is more like a youtube thing but then youtube doesn't really have then the kind of the sales thing kind of off the back of it unless you create like your own shop etc so but i think we're starting to see this melding of kind of this um content-based commerce almost which is that you know and i see it all the time you know i've used this example before but i may as well keep going like my love of learning how to sharpen a chainsaw correctly (laughs) you know has led me to spend many hours Mm -hmm. you know kind of with youtube and stuff and you soon figure out kind of what the consistency of message is but then you tend to pick the person that you actually kind of resonate with with. yeah and they tend for me they tend to be some fatherly figure i'm sure that we could spend hours talking about that dad (laughs) why didn't you teach me how to do this why didn't you teach me how to do this yeah you know it's kind of it's an open-ended question that one but the um the piece that then comes out of that when you step back from it and you're like all right so now i've actually made a brand choice right so when i kind of look at that through a flavor choice yeah i've made i've made but i've made a choice of who my kind of my person is but then that person the only way that they can actually kind of really think about it is that 
they can only monetize that relationship through that. There's no kind of stream that comes off the back of it. So it's not like you then kind of in what I would say is like content led commerce, you would then start to be like, all right, so that's the sharpening kit. I can get that sharpening kit. There'd be other people you'd actually kind of participate with who have used that kit or that you might use a particular type of chain or you might use a particular type of bar, you know, whatever, whatever it is. That's the piece that's kind of yet to come. And I think that's where... I hope this starts to head. So you, but surely you've come across with some of those people in those, like you'd, oh, product placement, sure. Yeah, yeah. but the, they're producing their own products. Yeah, whether they they're good or not is another question. Yeah, for sure. Because they're content first, and I think a yeah. lot of brands now are content first and then product second, which is an interesting yeah. way to go into like. Hmm content marketing and how that resonates with an audience i would say that's that's the the thing but i think that what i'm trying to say is there's no marketplace off the back of it yes they might create their own product yeah but it's kind of that sense of reckon they're creating their own market so to speak well i think there's a bigger opportunity i guess is what i'm saying is that so expertise you could kind of play out in two ways right so if you're a brand and you start to talk forward of that through content and drive back to product as the solution that makes sense but kind of there's another way to do that which is kind of to lead on expertise around a specific area kind of how you work through stuff but then actually plug that into an entire marketplace that is more about other people being able to so like you might sell like a chainsaw sharpening kit you might sell this you might sell chains you might sell that so it's more like a ebay store versus kind of all of my product put forward so it could be two-way yeah that's what i'm saying rather than kind of this one-way commerce model which is that i've got to buy you know bob's sharpening kit it could be that it's just like well here's everyone who participates in this channel and you create a whole community around those types of things how do you so are you saying bob creates a little mint my ebay yeah exactly yeah, yeah. But it's around that subject matter. So it's kind of like rather than just be eBay, here's a whole bunch of chainsaw yeah. um, chains. It's Bob approved. Yeah, but it's but it's the, then the community who kind of, you know, Rally. watches Bob, rates Bob. And then it's kind of like it's the swapping kind of back and forth that can happen through that. And I think that's that's a, another area that's not really done that well. And sometimes, space. yeah, it's like a Reddit, a subreddit <coughs> comes to yeah. mind. And like just, they're sort of the more the organic ways of people coming together and sharing that info for sure around something like true fan base channel chat yeah like that's what it is it is but then with like a sense of like um not sharing economy but more like you know like kind of like change for 10 bucks kind of idea but like a lot of people you know i would think even like the sharpening of stuff right there'll be people in that who kind of look at it and go ah i don't really want to sharpen any of this sort of stuff but there'll be people on there going i found my calling yeah right so it could just yeah it could just be like a little back and forth you just mail it to them they mail it back like i think there's different ways of like i'm getting your head now you you're seeing a little village in there because everyone feels a sense of belonging trust is sort of built off your idea yeah Yeah. which is yeah it's a clever way it's it speaks i suppose to like the crux of this like how is value created i was looking for two dollars at the start of this i was zipping up and down (laughs) yeah and it's an interesting spot to land because like we we're heading into everyone's feeling very inflated yes (laughs) maybe recession on the way and like two dollars today was four dollars did this today well yeah the other way yeah (laughs) Yeah, your four dollars yesterday is now worth two dollars today yeah so four dollars yesterday is two dollars today yeah exactly so 
Um, I was looking for $2 and then I was trying to pull something out of my ass. And it feels very much like that's what value can be. Yeah. Like. Totally. It's if just, I it's didn't a, show you that I pulled $2 out of my bottom, like it's, it's very subjective. There's an art to a value. There is. And I never fully got that. I don't know if we want to go there today, but that's what I wanted to touch on around hmm. what value can be as a creation and what it is sometimes. It's a very, it's a, it's a lot more delicate than it is first perceived. Uh, it is. It is. And I think it's, you know, I mean, certainly, yeah, like I think there's, I mean, I think we can probably, we'll tackle this in three or four different ways yeah. because there's actually, there's different ways to kind of look at it. But yeah. if you think about that kind of that friction or reorientation kind of model, mm. often, you know, most people, you know, kind of tend to focus on frictions or removing pain points, et cetera, but there's also ways to reorientate. But what they both have in common typically is that you actually have to look at the narrative of kind of what's actually going going on. You really have to try to kind of understand sure. what's actually going on in the world and have an orientation to start to think about where where you could do stuff. So like kind of could I solve that problem or could I do something slightly different and reorientate the way that the value is actually distributed. And the thing about kind of value creation is that it's it's expansionary, but it's also kind of, um, you know, kind of the, the, the idea of kind of um, capital destroys itself over time. And it does, because what it's what it's doing is always kind of shifting. And I think when you think about value, you really have to think like that, which is that it's about kind of how you're creating new stuff. And it's not always to get ahead. It's sometimes just to stand still right but yet you there's still a sense of momentum and that's how i think about value is that things that tend to get stagnant tend to decline it doesn't matter you know whether that's at a, you know, your own level professionally or even in your investments or the way that you look at stuff things that kind of plateau they can plateau, but they have to kind of stay there. But it's actually about the energy that's being put in to mm. keeping that thing moving that is about value. Yeah. Mm. You touched on some really interesting things there. I mm. think momentum's key around value and, and building that up. Um, but the big one is how narrative dictates value. And that mm. gets to that subjective element. And I, spin, yeah. I think it ties into the start of our conversation around how narrative is shifting around who controls the narrative, what is the narrative, yep. and where that's going. There's so many different value ports that are sort of being opened up to interpretation and what that means. You have it with digital currencies. You have it with old currency. You have it with gold. Like, it is yep. such a, an amazing, very <coughs> <coughs> life's... Mm a big art gallery at the moment around what is value and it's sort of pick your mark. It's sadly going very back to traditional ways. Oh, for sure. Gas yeah. and oil. Um, but that, whether that, that lasts. Well, exactly. Is exactly. The big question, which it is hopefully in my perspective, it doesn't. <laughs> yeah. And hopefully we can create some serious value that's sustainable. Yeah. Yeah. And, and in, that's, I suppose, the big that's the big, big question. Like, can we actually create a sustainable value model? And what is that? Yeah. Well, I think the the piece of that that's, that you can really hold on to throughout it is that it's what problem are we solving? So, like, if you think about, for example, like digital currency at the mm -hmm. moment, the narrative, if you look at it through the yeah. narrative of digital currency, I don't understand the narrative. Nobody's right? getting right friction. Yeah. So, you can transfer money really quick. 
yeah. and getting away the middleman in the bank. That's sure. like the narrative. Whether it actually holds up is yeah. another question. But it's, but it's not. Like, I would say that's part of the narrative, but yeah. there's other narratives around yeah, kind of sure. fiefdoms and kind of like being free, store of, store of value. But that's there's, where we get to that segmentation of like different yeah. interpretations of what that But means. it's not clear. No, but it's clear yeah. to some segments. Yeah, but you know there's not I mean? a meta. It's that's- like cryptocurrency is a, mm-hmm. it's a football club. So to speak. And then there's like, or it's a, it's a league. A if league. we take it to that sport analogy. Yeah. Then you have fandoms created out of that and then fandom brands off the fandom. Yeah. But and football has rules. So, like, that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's, um, that, that's the difference oh, I see. It's uh, regulated. A, yeah. 100%. That's, that's the difference I see. Like, it's yeah. kind of like it is a bit like maybe as kind of like when there are different codes playing football before it kind of coalesced. <laughs> that's, that's maybe a good, good uh, better analogy. Yeah. I think the thing that kind of i take from it is that when i look at it it's like i i it's not super clear kind of what it's what its role in life is and that's i think is a really good kind of test often when you're thinking about these things is that if you can't fully kind of figure out what that narrative is it's maybe not kind of the the best thing to pour all of your life's work into it could be a nice little fun kind of thing to play with and kind of figure out and all that sort of stuff but maybe not the other the the second part though is that like when you think about kind of other points of value creation is that they tend to have a longer yeah. lifespan than you actually think so the kind of the narrative over time will coalesce so when we talk about um, the energy revolution at the moment mm. really what really the narrative is that basically it's about electrification and in electrification there are two sides of that so there's there's the delivery point Mm. which will change it'll become electric not driven by petrol oil based engines and that transition will happen over the next 20 years right so that transitional piece is already amongst us yeah and it's already happening so that's one side of it but then the other side of electrification is really around the grid the way that we generate power and kind of in the storage and how we hold on to all of that sort of stuff that is also kind of moving moving through but i think the thing that that gets kind of put through that narrative quite often is that like if you just look at it that way it makes total sense and if you keep thinking electrification where are we on that journey you can make a lot of different um like the internet right so mm. i often think about where we're at with our energy grid broadly feels like the dial-up age of of the internet now at that point in time we're all like "Ooh, dial-up right so but if you took that same thing and you looked at the energy you'd probably say okay and now look at where we are now and i think that's what i see in it's energy in energy is kind of that it's there's a there's more of a thing around it um but you've got to look a little bit longer sometimes yeah. is the main point yeah, that's so true. That long game in terms of value, I think, is so so lost whenever I'm, especially around crypto and like these short, fast games of trying to win cash. That's definitely the narrative that's sold to a lot of suckers to be able to buy in. And yep. that's sad. Yep. It's very sad. But I think that long, long perspective and humans' version of long is pretty short in terms of where value is created is... Is pretty cool, and we haven't even got into like what value is, except sort of monetary or or that (coughs) sort of side of of what value is and where your values lie. But um, yeah, I love that analogy of electrification around being the internet, Mm. and then you think about the internet and where the internet's going, and you're like, soon we'll break those ocean cables, and it won't be. We won't be getting the internet from America per se. No, exactly. That'll be up in space. Yeah, up in space, but then also. Everyone is, the, the narrative Everyone's, is going, everyone's plugged in and carrying 
part of the internet. Correct. Which is really cool and it speaks to that narrative around fandom, around yeah. everyone's a part, everyone's a node in the big picture. Totally. Plugs in also why Patty's on a rant <laughs> into the idea that we were talking about off, off air winter, how it's so brutal because we weren't interacting with another. We're all in our bubbles. Yeah. And we are, in a weird way, need each other for better or for worse as a collective intelligence, whether it's a collective immune intelligence yeah. or a collective internet of sorts of yeah, intelligence. No, no, like like it. It's an yeah. interesting draw of the bow, but it definitely lands. Mm, it does. An yeah. imaginary paddy land. I'm no, I, it I like it. You're, seeing, you're, you're, try, you're building. You're building your own narrative. But, I mean, I think that's that's great, right? Because it's that's ultimately like um, the last point, and you know, we'll we'll get into this more in the kind of um, coming episodes. I think is that creativity is a really really key part of actually kind of creating creating value so it's this idea that kind of um i've always thought about value creation in any part of your life is about curiosity and it's about being able to try to see where there's maybe a different way to to do things and often um you know so much of what gets pitched in life is kind of like it's it's a riff on an existing theme so it's like blockchain meets x you know to kind of solve that but when it gets really interesting is that when it, that's actually a legitimate thing that's been reimagined some somehow but often we're kind of going you know like if i see another i don't know like hair care direct to my door brand i'll probably vomit but because it, it's just not you can't even chuck it at hair care <laughs> no but it's just not warnies plucky yeah the warnies warnies plugs coming to you but it's not it's not required so the the point of it is is kind of like you're late you're already late to that so the kind of the the way to think about d to c might not be in that mm. particular space but you could think about it in another category but i would argue that mo in most aspects d to c is pretty done in terms of kind of you know getting something to someone's door there's of course there's small ways to create micro value but you're not really is that what you want your life's work to be is in a space that's already broadly defined but if you thought about D to C in a completely other area yeah. of the economy, or you thought about kind of reimagining some part of the process, that's where you're going to bring new value. But it's, it's a creative exercise. It's not a copying exercise. I think you've just hit the nail on the head. It's a good place to, to finish around that, yeah, where value is created and it is created. It's not fabricated. No. Yeah. Spot on. Yeah. yeah. Or found somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Sometimes it is. That's yeah, the weird, well, that's the weird a, thing. But only for a period of time. Exactly. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. yeah. I suppose, yeah, that's sustainable value. Yeah. yeah. It's All created, right. tested, and reiterated. Like it. So, we'll uh, we'll leave <laughs> it there for this week. But, yeah. yeah, like next week, I think we'll, we'll get into like a few other kind of models and ways to think about kind of um, creating value. Yeah. All right. Let's do it. Thanks, Pat. Good show. Thank you for listening to BAU Business As Unusual. Subscribe and learn more at baupod.co. That's baupod.co.